Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial and sometimes local town radio show. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and we're taking a little break from finance this morning, and we're talking um, with a couple of Marshfield, um, I just lost my words, officials. officials. I was going to say professionals, but I knew, well, you are professionals, but I, I knew that wasn't the right word. Couple Marshfield officials regarding the upcoming Marshfield town meeting on April 22nd. So I have Mike Moresco, our town administrator, and I have Bob Galvin, our town council, and we're talking about um, town meeting. And thank you, gentlemen, again for being here. We like to um, keep a pulse on what's going on in Marshfield. Although I, ha- I admit I have taken a little bit of break from local town government in the past year, and it's been it's been nice. But I will I will start paying closer attention here um, the upcoming year. So I apologize, we cannot take live calls this morning because we have pre-recorded the show, but we're trying to anticipate all the questions and cover what we need to cover so that everyone uh, attending town meeting on April 22nd is prepared. There's lots of ways to prepare, um, but uh, hopefully this is helpful to everybody. So we have already chatted about the special town meeting warrant, and we are moving into the annual town meeting warrant. You can get a copy of the warrant at the library the town hall and online and online at townofmarshfield.org. All right, so it looks like 22 articles in the annual uh, town meeting warrant, and we're trying. We're just going to go numerical here, and we'll um, spend time at ones we think we need to spend more time on. So, Article One on the annual town meeting warrant is receive reports from town officers and committees. 
Right, and this is a book that will be available at the back of town hall, uh, at, at the back of the town meeting okay. and at town hall, and that basically it reports from the chairs of the various committees on what the committee worked on the previous year. Okay. Um, so, all right, probably no need to spend much more time on that no. one, huh? Um, Article 2, set compensation for elected officials. And, and that's exactly what this is. With the uh, the so the selectmen, assessors, board of public works, planning board, board of health, and moderator are all part time, uh, and the town clerk is a full time employee, and that's why that salary okay. is so much greater. Yeah, so this isn't the appropriation. This is just uh, determining the amount of their salaries. Correct. The amounts. Okay. Do we even need the moderator salary on there? Ninety two dollars per year. <laughs> I mean, that's just. I mean, that's laughable. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, I don't know whether even the moderators accept the money, but uh, right. if yeah. they do, it's not worth. It's, it's, it's hardly uh, what their work actually mm -hmm. is worth. Oh, absolutely. Um, okay, and are these standard, like, have these increased over time? Or are these pretty... Town Clerks is the one that has increased Correct. more recently, but the Town Clerk uh, basically came up with a study that determined that the Town Clerk in Marshall was paid significantly less than many of the okay, surrounding towns, so her salary has been adjusted. Based right. on her qualifications and things like that. And the okay. last time there was any change, uh, if you notice, the selectmen and the assessors the assessors get paid more than the selectmen. Oh, that's And that yeah. goes back to 1990 when the town was in dire financial straits. Um, the salaries were reduced for all elected officials, other than the assessors decided that they would not do the voluntary reduction in their salary. Mm. Uh, because there was a downturn in the economy and stuff, they had to do so much more work uh, devaluing property that the, the board at that time. Yeah, oh, interesting. Uh, chose not to take uh, take a cut. So they get another ten bucks a month mm -hmm. over the selectmen. I see. Uh, okay, we'll skip over that. Pretty standard. Um, Article three is fiscal year twenty twenty operating budget. So this is the biggie. Time on this. Yes, okay. this is the biggie. Why everyone comes out. Okay. Um, and you'll see as we go through and we begin to go through the budget. You know, it does start off with it does by department. So you do have the moderator. With his staggering salary of ninety-two, and this is where mm. it's actually appropriated, and towns folks will vote on it. Then we have the elected officials in the selectmen's office, and then we have and each one has the same category: personnel cost and expenses. And what the moderator does when he goes through this is um, he understands everyone can read, so he'll just go through it by category. And um, if someone has a question, they yell out a question, and then um, what he normally does is he'll pass whatever wasn't questioned and then go back and go through each individual one that okay. was questioned and get an answer. All right. Can you can we spend a little time um, explaining the different, maybe explaining how the budget gets put together sure. and then explaining the different three columns mm -hmm. between requested, appropriated, and what the advisory board sure. recommends? Absolutely. So uh, we begin the process. Believe it or not, right now, uh, Patrick Delarusso, who's our treasurer collector, and I have had some general comments on the 21 budget. So we start. Just already started. Uh, yeah. We're sort of uh, a year and three months out on looking at uh, trends, what the revenues are going to look like, because you, so you, when you put the budget together, um, you have to take a look at what are the revenues you got to be able to predict. So yeah. under the prop two and a half, you. The budget goes up two and, two and a half over the previous levy, um, so it's not a significant amount of money. Okay. And so we need to identify. So that's one piece of it. And then there's all the local receipts, and the local receipts are mails tax, sales tax, excise tax, boat sales tax, 
So you assemble all of that, any additional money from the cherry sheet, and you add that to um, the prop two and a half. Okay. Um, and then that gives you your revenues to take a look at. So the gr the gross income is relatively easy to determine? That's correct. Given well, there's fluctuation. Yeah. So remember, excise tax fluctuates, boat tax fluctuates, the meal tax yeah. fluctuates. Are those a significant portion of the income? Well, the biggest, the largest portion is, is, the, is the property tax, right. prop yeah. two and a half. Yeah. And that's where you get the largest segment of the money. Followed by the excise tax would be the next largest oh, okay. uh, commitment. Okay. And you know, right now, uh, you know, excise tax, you know, continues to be fairly steady. Seems to be trailing off a little this year as we're tracking it, um, but it it so coincides with the with the economy. You know, the economy's good. People are buying newer cars. Right. The newer the car, you get the largest chunk of the money. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, hopefully that continues because that's, you know, certainly something that we take a look at. Yeah. So then once we get a handle on the revenues, then um, we meet with the, I meet with the individual department heads okay. to uh, ascertain from them, okay, uh, you know, what are your fixed costs? Fixed costs are certainly going to be their labor costs. Mm -hmm. um, and then we get into, you know, your program costs. What do you need to run the program? So, I, you know, my first go through is just to identify what they're going to need to maintain the type of services that they have. And then um, I always ask the department heads, you know, if there's something that you want to do, I need to know uh, plans that you have. Um, does it require additional staff? What will that staff person be doing? What are the benefits of the program that you want to do? Um, how does that benefit our citizens? And what will that cost? And that stuff's not guaranteed because first I got to get a handle on what my fixed costs are to maintain the services that our residents and citizens expect yeah. from the town. And then, depending on how the revenues are tracking, uh, then I can look at you know adding if there's a there's a need to add a service or to add an employee. Now this ties into bargaining agreements too because that would determine personnel wages, right? That's so when you're doing collective bargaining with the departments, how how many years out are you? We do a three year contract. Okay. So yeah. you have the you have the so projected we know three years out. Yes. Uh, personnel wages that far out to do the budget, which makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And then same thing, so if people are not if they don't have a uh, a uh, if they're not in the union with a collective bargaining agreement, then they're bylaw employees. Okay. Um, and the same thing for them. So whatever we give the union employees um, the bylaw employees, even though they're non-union, we give them the same for parity, and we okay. do that. And you'll see that um, usually in the fall. Sometimes we do it in the annual. So if the union settled for two percent, we give the collective bargaining folks two percent. Okay. And then we do have a, a number of people that are on a contract, and you know they're funded through what the language in their contract says. So there's three different types of employees that we. Basically, is it well, there's three different ways. Union, yeah, union okay. and non-union, yeah. And then the non-union have, you can be bylaw or you can be contract. Okay, so three, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> two, but yeah. two. So do you, how many employees in town are union employees, or what percentage? Do you know? Is it more than half? Oh, definitely more Way than more half. Way more than half? So all the school, three quarters okay. of the employees yeah. are well, union employees. Oh, because of all the school. Yeah, the all the school. Okay. All right, so so you meet with all the department's heads heads to determine what to their determine needs what are, they what their needs are, are right? Which their is their are. which is the column that's the requested? Well, stuff. that's sort of yeah. I mean, so the chart. So what the chart shows is what they got the previous fiscal year, uh, what they requested that's been refined. So you don't see all the raw stages. Yep. And the advisory board they can make changes. 
their role is they meet with the various department heads and sort of talk about, okay, what are you going to need for your personnel? How is that justified? They sort of, so they have a check and balance. Separate okay, from how many employees, right. How many employees, what does that calculate? Does that calculate to the right request that you're doing in the personnel line? Yeah. Okay, expenses. What, you know, what are you buying? Uh, what are your expenses? You know, paper clips, you know, the yeah. sort of mundane things. And, you know, they justify that and then they make a, they make a, they can, you know, go with the recommendation that's put forth by the town administrator or they can do their own. So your, the request column is, is your, the column that that's you correct. developed? Yep, and I then, do that on behalf of the selectmen, yes. Okay. The and then the advisory board column, obviously, is the advisory, advisory board, board recommends. That's correct. And the appropriated column is sometimes different. The appropriate, so the FY19 is the previous fiscal year, so it's what they got to operate government the previous fiscal year. All right, year. so it's a comparison. Um, okay, anything else you want to touch on? Is there anything in here that's not standard? We haven't seen in prior years. Is there anything that stands no, out? Not really. Okay. I mean, the thing that drives the increase is the collective bargaining agreement uh, for the unions, and then that translates into, you know, increases in the personnel line that you'll see. Um, you know, everything's fairly st – you know, okay. this is the budget to run the government, so you're not going to see – you know, this doesn't have the capital budget items right. and things like that. Right, right. So this really pays for uh, the personnel that work in the various departments, including the schools, the teachers, all of that. Yeah. Okay, so and and most notable line items are the police department, the fire department. Which are the bigger line yep. items, DPW. Yep. Schools, school being the largest. Yeah, where is the school? I've already didn't get there yet. School is just a line item. Just one, one line. Oh, okay. Because of the Ed Reform Act of 1993, so the schools are being recommended for funding at $49,726,176, page yeah. four. Yep. Oh, I see that. Okay. Um, all right. I guess I don't have any other questions. I can – do you want to move on to the following article, which is what, the capital? Capital Okay. Outline for the uh, next fiscal year. Okay. Article four. Capital budget. Now, the, this capital budget is different than the one we saw in special. the special okay. because this, and you'll look at the extreme right-hand corner, and that talks about funding source, and that tells you where the money's coming from. So it's everything except what's coming from free cash because free That's cash correct. is in the special. This is set right, and we use free cash because of the best practices of DOR is to use the free cash money in the year that it's appropriate, appropriated. So it was appropriated in nineteen. And that's why you had to go to the special because the special money is available immediately. Okay. Anything that we pass in the budget, um, uh, you know, in the in the annual, that money's not available until July first. Okay. That's when the new fiscal year yep. begins. That's okay. correct. All right. So, do you want to go through some of the sure. larger items in the capital yep. budget? So, what we have in here, uh, finally, if uh, town meeting supported. We are going to be able to put an elevator into Town Hall oh, to yeah. make it handicapped accessible. We've been lucky because um, when the building was built, uh, there wasn't a requirement to have a handicapped accessibility. There were no ADA requirements back then. Over the years, uh, to comply with that, um, there was the law required that you have a chair lift. So we had a chair lift, which most yeah. people call an elevator, but it's really not. Oh. And if you have to use it, people don't like using it. It breaks down <laughs> a lot. And we've been talking about an elevator for many, many years, but um, I had done some research, made a presentation for the selectmen, and they supported moving forward 
with that, which is going to make our ADA community very, very happy yeah. to bring Town Hall into the 21st century and to make it much more accessible uh, for our citizens that you know have challenges going up and down the stairs yeah. or they're afraid to use the chairlift. So that's a, that's a big item on there. And also, Town Hall roof, we've had like three or four leaks in the roof and we've had to have buckets and... Uh, the roof hasn't been replaced in, you know, well over 30, 35 years. $750,000 yeah. for a roof? Yeah. That building doesn't seem like it's that big. It's a lot smaller than the, the uh, 5 or $6 million that we did on a school. Wow. Um, now, I know we're talking about a new DPW building and police station, but how old is Town Hall? I mean... 19... It, I wasn't in Town Hall. 1970? Early 70s. Has there been any discussion from the town or the capital budget committee or anything about a new town hall? No. It has. It would not be no. something. Am I the only one that wants a new town hall? Yeah, it's it, you know. It's when I was on the board of selectmen. It was uh, uh, Jim Fitzgerald who yep. actually he'll be leaving the board. Yep. And last night was his last televised meeting, but um, he had what they called the chairman's meeting, and we would have citizens in and talk about it. And it was one of the things that people thought library, which I know is close yeah. to dear to your heart. We need yeah. a new library. Yeah. People didn't like the actual look. <laughs> of town hall, and that wasn't reason enough to change right. the town hall. It's right. more about the the uh, functionality of it. But um, there are so many other needs. You know, we're yeah. gonna. I'm I'm doing gradual. I had the inside of town hall painted to make it a little more appealing for the people that work there. Yeah, you know, we're making improvements with the support of the board of selectmen uh, to uh, get the town hall have the cleanest to clean the bathrooms five days a week. So. Uh, we've made some improvements. The DPW has really stepped up on the outside lawn care and the mulching and the tree cutting and the grass and stuff like that. So yeah. we'll continue to make uh, small changes. But you know, you need a DPW facility. You're gonna, you know, you need a uh, police. Uh, you know, we've got the new high school. There's gonna be needs of the school. So you know, everything in government's mm. a balancing act yeah. by priority. Yeah. And I suppose one point two million, one point two five million for some improvements is a lot, is a lot cheaper than what a new building is going to be fifty million plus or something, right? Well, for a town hall, yeah. I bet you it's you know I don't want to speculate, yeah. but it's you know maybe a little less than your figure. All but, right. Yeah. Um, okay, fire department replacing an engine. Yep. So they need a new pumper. So uh, the pump is going to cost five hundred forty thousand. Five hundred forty thousand for a fire engine. Is yeah. that just like a standard fire engine? I don't know what. That's a pumper. A pumper. Is. So a pumper is just that. It takes in water From the hydrant. and, it, and it, it acts like so. It hooks to the hydrant, or it carries its own water. Okay. So once it depletes its water source, then it hooks to the hydrant. The water runs through the truck to build up the pressure then to shoot up the hose. Okay. So pumpers are very important when it comes to fighting. Uh, town meeting last year supported the new what I call like a hook and ladder truck. So we yeah. did that, and that was much more expensive really? than this. Really? Oh. Uh, fire equipment. Million dollars. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, I suppose that's important. Safety and, equipment. Yep. Got it. And then okay. you talked about the time of the cycle where they need to be. Yeah, it's twenty year old. Looks like it's twenty years old, right? Nineteen ninety nine. Okay. Now um, more seawalls. So. Uh, one of the other seawalls that was damaged was at 70 Bay Avenue. Green Harbor. Green Harbor. So why is this separate from the other article? Because the other article is fiscal year right. 2020. Okay. And it's being, so right, and this isn't being done with free cash. The other okay, ones. right. So now this one's more expensive. This is $650,000. And folks may remember this house at 70 Bay Avenue, the seawall actually split in half and fell into the ocean. Oh. And in between the tides, they had to do emergency repairs where they actually put big steel plates in 
and jam them in. They had to get a truck out onto the wow. beach to bang them in yeah. to protect that property. So uh, if, when this passes, they'll begin the work on that seawall after July. They'll take the steel plates out and rebuild the seawall at that address. Okay. Are all the seawalls in town town property? None of them. None of them are like private property. Defer to the residents. There may be some seawall that is privately owned, but typically uh, any work that we've done associated with seawall um, town takes it, responsibility. Has either been consensual or has been within the scope of the town's rights. Okay. All right. Um, Mill Pond Dam. Where's oh wait? Where's the Mill Pond Dam? Mill Pond Dam. Chair the Mill Pond Dam. Yeah. This is off of uh, Cross Street. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, this a former mill pond called Chandler Mill. Okay. And uh, there are two outlet structures there, and there's some work that's proposed, I think, um, on the town's sluiceway, which is part of a larger project to try to eliminate some of the obstacles that fish have had. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, getting back up into the streams where they spawn and uh, I know there's in the future some plenty of improvements at Veterans Park as well. Okay. But this is along that same corridor. Okay. Um, all right. DPW Highway, this is, looks like they're just buying a dump truck with a plow. That's 105,000. Yeah, and okay. that's supported by borrowing but from the tax levy. Okay. They're going to replace a dump truck and then uh, okay. then schools has for their school security one hundred forty thousand. Uh, what's the, Do we know the specifics on that? That one just interests me. You won't kids get those school. specifics. Because it's security. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. that makes details. perfect sense. Okay. Uh, they'll probably tell you the general nature of them, but they right. won't give you any detail. That makes perfect sense. And they're okay. also one thing that we can talk about is they had begun some uh, tiling work and they're going to finish that, and that's one hundred fifty thousand. And which of the schools do we know? Uh, that's an is that an education one? Oh, education that doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, let's see, and then the rest is uh, Waste, yep, wastewater. Okay. Clarifier covers. Okay. In the in the wastewater, mag meters for Homestead Ave, Anderson Drive, and Maca Terrace. Okay. This is that's like all Greek to me, but yeah, I'm assuming this is standard. Some vehicle replacements. Yeah. Okay. Some water yeah. meter replacements. Yeah. Okay. And uh, installation of some yeah. pumps. Like there's another truck generators. down there, 105,000. Okay, and then the water department looks like just some vehicles, meter replacement, generators. Okay. All right. Oh, and that's it? Yep. Oh, okay. And then that's just all the totals. Um, compare this. Well, this is. Now, I was going to say to you, now, figures, this is different yeah. because, see, so uh, when the capital budget went through, they made some changes, and there's a difference of $390,000. Yep. So they had reduced it by three ninety. Um Trying to quickly remember. So if you look at um, let's see which one they reduced. Okay, installation of generators. The DPW had requested two uh, one hundred thousand dollar generators, and they only funded one okay. at a hundred thousand. And they replaced uh, meter replacements in precinct three. They had requested to buy half a million dollars worth of meters, and the capital budget committee um, only allowed them two hundred and fifty thousand. Okay, so, so the right the, the right hand column was what the capital budget committee recommends. Correct. The left hand column is all the everything that was requested by the various departments. But town the town meeting can change any of these numbers. They can. That's correct. Okay. 
Um, all right. Anything else on the capital budget? Nope. You're good with that. Okay. All right. So let's move on to Article 5 in the annual town meeting revolving fund yeah, bylaw. And, and these are very standard. Okay. That's the limit for the revolving funds. Revolving funds okay. mean they're self-sustaining. The beach brings in the beach stuff, recreation department. Okay. So it doesn't have to be reappropriated. Right. You can't expend more than the limits. Okay. And this is uh, Municipal Modernization Act obligated us to... Uh, establish these funds by bylaw, and now all annually we don't have to reauthorize them. We just have to set the funding uh, expenditure limits. Okay, and they, are these expenditure limits? They are what they have historically done. Yes, Nothing and then different. we we okay. give a report so that the uh, town folk will know exactly what was brought in and what it was expended in the prior fiscal year. Uh, which is this report here? Which is the spreadsheet here on page Correct. eleven? Okay, okay, that looks pretty standard. Um. Article 6, Personnel Bylaw. Right. Now, I talked about this earlier. We treat our personnel bylaw employees as we make sure right. that they're compensated just like the collective bargaining agreements. And um, in this particular year, because the contract uh, was at 3% for 2020, our bylaw employees will get a 3% bump in their line item. And this we also had to add two additional grades, 16 and 17, because we have a number of employees that are on bylaw that have exceeded uh, $100,000. So okay. we have to have a spot for them. So we created two additional grades. Okay. That's pretty standard. Um, article 7, Chapter 90. This is a this is a very standard article. Okay. Chapter 90 is road money that you get okay. from the Commonwealth of Mass. How you increase the road money, the formula is based on the miles of roads you have. If you want to increase, then the town would have to get back into uh, accepting streets. And based on you know X miles, you get X amount of money. But um, we haven't been doing that, so we get a very so we're going to get this year seven hundred fifty thousand one hundred and one dollars from the Commonwealth from the state. What what there's a difference between state maintained roads and town maintained roads or something, right? Is, public is ways it? principally, right? Um, the, the amount of public way that we have, whether it's state ways that we're responsible for maintaining, or town roads that are public ways, is what is used in determining this chapter ninety funds. Okay. Uh, some of the ways are county ways, but technically the town is responsible for the county ways. Maintenance. You, 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 but, so, but the Chapter 90 funds are used for... Help to offset those costs. Okay. Right. And those are used on our town roads, not on state roads. Not on state right. roads. The state maintains those with their own That's budget. That's they give them their municipality. Okay. All right. WATD-FM Marshfield. Um, Article 8, Cemetery Plot Buyback. The town yeah, buys back plots uh, that are unused. Yeah, we're occasionally, you know, some of the plots are never used. Yeah. The families want to sell them back to the town. We pay them only what they're okay. technically worth. Okay. Okay. So they, this is they're not able to be sold publicly. There's no commodity. There's no here, secondary so market for the there for is cemetery no. plots. Um. All right, six hundred bucks. That's pretty standard. We can skip over that. I feel like I do. You ever watch Billions? I feel like. There was like a secondary market for cemetery plots in New York City on that show or something, mm -hmm. and there was... There probably good, is, not, not necessarily in Marshfield, although uh, we are limited uh, on the amount of graves that are presently available, and they're yeah. dwindling daily. Yeah. And that's why the DPW put forward their cemetery expansion in Couch Cemetery. Do you, how many plots are available in town, do you know? I don't know off the like no, in the dozens or like the hundreds or probably in the probably a hundred or yeah. so, hundred, a couple of hundred. Okay. 
Um, okay, nine. Age-restricted adult village bylaw. Help me with this one. Well, there's, there's, there's a couple of related I'm gonna items. Defer, I'm going to defer okay. to town council. And, uh, I'm probably not even the, the best person to explain it. This is typically be explained at town meeting by the planner. Okay. These are town planning board articles. Okay. Um, um, nine and ten. Uh, basically, the proposed changes here to the age-restricted bylaw clarify how you create the amount of units that you can propose, um, explain how a density bonus might work um, for affordable housing where you get extra units if you build a certain amount of units as affordable units, uh, reduces the market rate unit price if you, if you elect to build your affordable units elsewhere and um, basically addresses the change in DC, DHCD, which is the Department of Housing and Community Development's uh, policy on counting affordable units. Um, so these are changes that were required as a result of law and as a result of issues that the planning okay. board saw on a repeated uh, basis where there was some confusion. And we've actually had some cases that deal with confusion over how many lots you get and how many lots uh, you get with a yield plan. Okay. And there's similar changes in the open space residential development. These are developments where you're allowed to have multiple units on uh, acres and um, so both of these are more or less related. Nine and ten yep. you're talking about. Yep. Okay. All right. The other one is dealing with the open space residential development, which is where you are allowed to build um, units on smaller size lots with reduced setbacks um, in exchange for preserving the uh, saved space as open space. Okay. Anything else? I don't. Need, I I don't know enough about this to ask any questions. Actually, so yeah. if there's Bob anything a, else you want to add, a good job. I yeah. mean, I was I'm trying to. Hearings, I'm trying to keep yeah. it pretty simple for you to understand. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, typically, we've had disputes over how many plan, how many units you can get, and should you get more units yeah. if you agree to submit your development to this type of a format. And I think the consensus is that the yield plan requirements could have been clearer. Okay. And I think the consensus is that maybe there should be some density uh, bonuses. Okay. Um, so that it makes it more attractive to elect this type of development. Okay. Are there any developments in the works right now in town? I, I know there's been oh, talk there's always, of them. Oh, there's always a developments going on. There's, there's, okay. there's, there's one, up the of, uh, one up of, of Spring Street yeah. uh, that I can think of. There aren't any. Um, there's, there's, uh, no, that's that was an open space there's residential open space development that's under construction and nearing completion. Uh, we do have an open space residential development that's located off of um, Spring Street that's un in the midst of an appeal, and one of the issues is how many units were they allowed to have mm -hmm. on a yield plan. So I think this change is hopefully going to address that. Um, okay. We have one age-restricted housing development that's under construction that's already been approved. This is a 55-plus? Correct. Yeah. It's uh, diagonally across the street from Roach Brothers. Oh, yeah. Up on the hill. Yep. Um, off of... Uh, I forgot the name of the street. Uh, I forgot Commerce that name. Commerce Way. Up at the top of the hill there by the Boys and Girls Club. And you pass right? the Boys and Girls Club up on the left yeah. on the hill. Yeah. On the hill. Yeah. There's a spot that was left over for multifamily housing. Oh, okay. And this is an age-restricted housing. That one's already in the works and approved. It's uh, under construction. Oh, okay. I guess I should drive up there and check it out. Yeah. And the one thing about these articles historically, you know, the moderator usually reads the articles. On these very big, lengthy articles, um, he moves them as written. 
And as uh, Bob Galvin, our town council, mentioned, Greg Gimon, who's the planner, does a really good job of explaining uh, to the people that yeah. attend town meeting just what it does. And he picks out the salient points to address uh, so the people understand, don't get lost in all the verbiage. Yeah. Um, okay, anything else? That was Articles 9 and 10, Planning Board Articles. Article 11 is a change to the sign bylaws of the town. Uh, it's kind of the first significant rewrite of the sign bylaw in some time. Okay. Uh, there was some criticism of our bylaw last year involving the political signs, and uh, rather than uh, maintain uh, provisions that are potentially suspect, uh, we are treating... Uh, we're not we're not distinguishing between political signs and other temporary types of signs. Uh, so you're currently signs. not. You mean? You're, you're well, we haven't been uh, enforcing uh, to the strict letter of the bylaw some of the questionable aspects of the. Uh, there was a Supreme Court case uh, oh. three or four years ago, Weed versus Town of Gilbert, okay. which um, really didn't involve political speech. It involved a church that was advertising its weekly services by temporary signs that it was placing around the town of oh. Gilbert. Okay. Uh, and uh, they were being, you know, there was some enforcement action and then there was some appeals and there was a very wide-ranging decision that not only touched upon signs that might advertise uh, for religious uses, but uh, there was a significant discussion about political speech. So right now in our sign by law, do, do the selectmen have to approve temporary signs being placed around town? Like the political the signs inspector and stuff? Does. Oh, the building inspector. Correct. The building inspector is the permit granting authority for signs. Um, none of it has anything to do with the selectman itself. Okay. Uh, so um, we've tried we to streamline it. We gave that up a long time ago. Right? Uh, make it a lot easier for people to have these types of signs, right. given the protection afforded to political speech right. in particular. Okay. So it, if we see political signs up or if we – or like – well, um, to do political sports si and stuff like right. are those all so to do signs and I and I forget and Bob can clarify on the political but on you know with like friends and music grad night live and stuff like that you yeah. do a letter to when I was to a selectman you would do it to the selectman and then we would notify the building commissioner and they changed that so now the letters all go directly years ago the change was made goes to the building commissioner so you know I would do a letter hey I'm the president of grad night live yeah you know we got an event coming up can we put signs out at the usual approved islands and they'll say yes not houses but actually on municipal islands yeah. political signs cannot and should not be on town-owned property and islands um and you know whether you're grad night live or you're the school play or drama or music or any of that they all go through that same process with the building commission to get permission to put up your signs and, and, of course and they get a window of down. time or something that's correct yeah. okay and what about then political signs are approved by the building inspector as well for residential they, property or you could have temporary non-commercial signs there's not going to be any fee for those types of signs okay so what so let me let me go back to this article what what changes this article well there's proposing? a whole bunch of changes it, okay. it's kind of a rewrite of the provisions of the bylaw okay all of the changes in the warrant are typed in bold okay oh i see and okay. um Sometimes kind of reaffirms, reaffirms, uh, reaffirms things that we've been doing uh, that may not have been clear enough. Uh, for example, as Michael indicated, placing signs on public property. Mm. Um, so this rewrite says private signs shall not be placed on public prop public property unless authorized by the Board of Selectmen. 
Correct. So is that a change? So currently it's the building inspector and it's a change to the Board of Selectmen? No, the Board of Selectmen have control over all public property. Right. So in addition to requirements that might otherwise exist, you have to get Selectmen approval. Okay. Um, okay. Anything? Uh, a lot of it is housekeeping, as you'll hear from okay. the planner at town meeting. But uh, the one change that was significant was trying to make sure that political science were not treated any differently than non-commercial science. Got it. Okay. Well, that's extraordinarily long. And okay. It is. All right. <laughs> All right. A lot of it isn't changed, but yeah. there are some significant changes. Okay. Um. Article 12 is... These are harbor master changes to the boring regulations. Okay. Um, these changes basically um, are all designed to encourage paperless filing um, and the use of online systems to basically expedite the process. Uh, there is one okay. change that does um, give the... Um, Conservation Commission some authority to include as a requirement on an owner that's doing a wet waterways project the obligation to make sure that the fees are paid. Okay. Because there has been an issue in the past where significant projects have been undertaken, uh, but uh, some of the uh, temporary storage fees were not paid. Okay. Well, that seems um, reasonable. Yep. Okay. Well, can I actually go back to 11 for a minute, the sign by law to get uh, advisory board support that article? Do you remember? I don't off here. Okay. Um, all right. Article 13, Texas mm -hmm. Street yeah. Land Sale. Is this to protect water? So this is water? Uh, put forward by the Marshfield Housing Partnership. Yeah. It's a piece of town-owned land, and uh, they uh, this article will allow the land to be sold to a nonprofit oh. um, that would build an affordable housing unit that would count towards the inventory. The, the land here at issue is not sufficiently sized to be a building lot. Okay. So the only way it really can be developed is through the comprehensive permit process, which allows um, some deviations from standard zoning. Okay. So uh, the belief is that this process will be made available to a nonprofit to actually construct a affordable unit. Where is Texas Street? Ken Park. Okay. How, do we know how... How big the property is? It's it's larger than some of the lots yeah, in, in Ken Park. Park. I think it's. Uh, I want to say it's approximately ten thousand. Okay. It, it's just uh, it's it's uh, just not sufficiently large enough to be right. buildable as yeah. of right. Got it. What are the requirements regarding affordable housing in town? Is a certain percentage, right? No. Right. Well, or, there, there there's no limitation on the amount of affordable housing you can have, but Marshfield hasn't reached ten percent of its housing being affordable. So since we haven't reached uh, that 10% threshold, the town is the subject of potential 40B applications uh. where people can choose to site housing projects as long as they agree to restrict 25% of that housing as affordable pretty much anywhere they want. And uh, the burden is basically on the town to prove that uh, there's some significant local interests that are involved that prohibit that development. And frankly, the state and the Housing Appeals Committee looked very critically at those types of assertions. Uh, the law was designed to promote affordable housing uh, from exclusionary zoning practices. Mm -hmm.